God is our creator, and as our creator, he has rights to us. He has the right to mold us and to make us. He has right to, the right to change our direction. He has the right over us. But we saw last week, too, as I ended last week's sermon, that God is the potter. And what are we? We're the clay. We are in great need of someone placing their hands on us and making us into something. If not, we, were, we remain a, 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 a blob. We need the Creator to come and to carve us into what the, the Creator intended us for, to be. What? Oh, I got a, got a couple vocals back here. All right. God's the potter. And listen, parents, that doesn't bother me. We're good. Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. Yet you, Lord, are our Father, we are the clay, you are the potter, we are all the work of your hands. Can you say that over yourself? I am the work of God's hands. Man, it will change your perspective of you. I am the work of God's hands. This metaphor points to the sovereignty of God who molds the individual, who molds the nation, who molds history, the history of mankind. And it's important to understand that we were created to be molded. We were created to be changed by God. We are a mound on a wheel. And we are to be willing and desiring that the Lord would place his hands upon us and mold us and shape us and change us into his desire. Elizabeth came up at the end of service and just gave the statement, but God gives us the choice. We can choose to get on that wheel, or we can choose not to. God is such, such a perfect picture, not just a picture, but He is just the perfect Father who lets us have freedom, who lets us have a choice, who so desires us to make the right choice, but doesn't force us. He loves us into the right choice. But even in the Old Testament... God gives us a choice. This is not a new thing. Deuteronomy chapter 11 says, Look, today I'm giving you the choice between a blessing and a curse. You will be blessed if you obey the commands of the Lord your God that I'm giving you today. Verse 28. But, if you're, but, but you will be cursed if you reject the commands of the Lord your God and turn away from Him and worship gods you have not known before. Men, women... Young and old, you have a choice. Blessing or curse. It's your choice. Choose right. Why not make the right choice? Why not? Why not me? I can. I can make the right choice. You can make the right choice. Let me ask you this, is it safe to make God's choice? Is it safe? Well, good, I'm glad you think so, but let's look at it. Why? Because not only is he the creator and the potter, what else is he? God has a plan. God's got a plan. So is it safe to make the right choice? Well, it is as long as the choice that we're making, whoever is coming up with that choice has a plan. 
I hate someone not having a plan. Those of you that know me know I have to know the plan. Even if the plan is to do nothing, tell me that plan. And I'll hit, I'll hit the chair, I'll snooze, I'll chill. But I want to know the plan. I will literally sit on the edge of my seat. I will bug the ever-living snot out of my wife until I know the plan. I have a plan for how we separate hangers. And it is the perfect plan. When it's time to separate hangers, done. And I learned it from my youngest. She's like, Dad, I, I got this plan. In fact, I think Ruth Ann might have even helped me with it a little bit. And I'm like, yes, a plan. I've got a plan. I have a plan for my Bible reading. And people say, they make fun of me and say, it is the perfect plan. They're making fun of me. That She calls it the flawless system. She's making fun. I am on April 2nd or 3rd in my one-year Bible reading, and I'm slipping, aren't I? Justin's like, "Uh uh-oh, you're slipping. Don't worry about it. I have a plan. Elizabeth has been going through uh, getting her master's and finishing her student teaching and teaching at Tennessee Tech also. It has been a very um, eventful last semester, but I have been cooking And I have a plan. Here is my weekly plan for breakfast. And here is my daily plan for the other stuff. I don't have to go looking for my recipes. I don't, I, if you could see our recipe box, it, is, it needs a plan. Now, my kids are already sick of my routine because I'll cook the same thing. I'll do five days and I'll do the same thing every single day. And they're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Uh, uh, Cinnamon rolls. Ah, bagels. Ah. When's gravy and biscuit? Friday. Only Friday. I'm not baking any other day. Friday. Now, If you want the plan to change, pitch in. If not, you're getting my plan. You know what the Lord says? I have a plan. Justin, what is happening? This is the perfect plan. Man, we are out of control. Yes, God's plan. You know, that plan meets my need. It doesn't necessarily meet my kid's need. It meets mine. That's what happens with our plan, is it meets our need, at least we think for a while, until it fails. God's plan never fails. Never. God has a perfect plan for you. 
a perfect plan. And I want you to know it doesn't matter what you feel. He has a perfect plan for you. You may have had such challenges in your life up till now. I want you to know God has a great plan. What is God's plan for you? Who wants to know what's God's plan for you? Believe me, I want to know what's God's plan. Do you know this scripture? This is a very well, uh, many, much quoted scripture. For I know the thoughts I think toward you, says the Lord. They're thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call on me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will bring you back from your captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and from all the places where I've driven you, says the Lord, and I will bring you to the place which I cause you to be carried away captive. What is God's plan? What is God's plan? Hope. It's a hope. And it's not a worldly hope. You know that the Bible tells us a difference between worldly hope and spiritual hope. It's a hope that won't fail. It's a hope that won't come up short. It's a hope that will last. How long has it been since you have hoped? Hoped for your future? Hoped for your children? Hoped for breakthrough? Have you, are you ready? Hope. When is the last time you've really hoped? I want you to know God. God's plan for your life is hope. You have hope. What else is God's plan? It's a future. And you know what? It's a bright future. It's a great future. God has a great future for you. And you know what that future is? Part of it is that when when you speak to him, he listens. The God of all creation listens to you. When we fall into his plan and we call on him, he answers What does it say? It says that when we seek Him, when we are in His plan, when we seek Him. Did you catch what it said about us seeking Him? When we seek Him with all of our heart. Men, have you ever lost your remote control? There's not many things I seek for like I seek for the remote. In fact, I will drag every family member that we have in to help seek. And you know what happens when you seek like that? You find it. When you stop everything that they want to do, no telling what they may be. I don't care if they're doing homework. Homework's not important right now. The remote (laughs) control's important. Do you know when you give your full attention to the Lord, He responds? You find Him? Not only do you find Him, but He answers. You will find God. If you seek him, what else did he say? That he would bring you back and set you free from the captivity that you have stumbled into. God wants to set you free. That is God's plan. And, well, I got ahead of myself, that's okay. 
and that his thoughts. Did you, did you catch the very beginning? Did you catch the very beginning of that scripture? These are the thoughts I have towards you. God said, these are the thoughts I have towards you. We've already been reading that his thoughts outnumber what? The sand. Those thoughts that he has towards you is not one of evil. He's not thinking evil of you. That would be bad. I would hate to be thinking, oh, you got a thousand thoughts about me, God, and they're all evil. That's not good. No, they're not evil. His thoughts are good of you. Not only is God good, God's thoughts of you are good. When's the last time you've had a good thought about you? God does. God does. God's plan is far greater than your plan ever could be. To make all see what the fellowship of the mystery from which the beginning of the ages has been hidden to God in who he created all things through Christ Jesus. You know, it says that he can do exceedingly abundantly more than we think or ask. I'm going to embarrass my child this morning, but I'm going to do it anyway. I was talking to my oldest child this morning. And as I just pondered on her being our firstborn, and she's 17, and, you know, got a lot of big decisions in front of her with college and career and her whole life in front of her, just thinking. And I just told her, I said, you're ready. You're ready for those decisions. You're going to make great decisions. And then it just dawned on me, the Lord just showed me, isn't she exceedingly abundantly greater than, I, than the child I could have ever asked for? If I were to ask for our firstborn to be a certain way, to be a certain child, I couldn't have asked big enough to get what he can give me. I couldn't, I couldn't ask big enough. And thank God, God's ability to bless us isn't contained by our ability to think. He's not just going to bless us upon our own ability to think of what He can do. No, He's exceedingly abundantly greater than we could ever think or ask. I couldn't have asked for anything better. Do you know that's the thoughts the Father has towards you? That's the thoughts the Father has towards you. God has a plan. He's our creator. He has a plan. What else? His plan is His will for your life. God has a will for your life. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. What's God's will for your life? Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the Spirit. It's pretty simple, wasn't it? Here's the will, the last, and the last testament for Justin. This is my will for you. Rejoice always, pray continuously. Okay, give thanks in all circumstances, and don't quench the Spirit. Good way, to li- good way to live. Rejoice always. Give thanks. Pray 
Can you see? Seeking after God with all your heart. You're going to step into his plan, into his will. What's going to happen? Look at uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 2. For you know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable. I put a little note in here. I've got to be careful what I'm reading. Is that the end of the Scripture? God's will that you be sanctified. What does that mean? That you be set apart. That you set your side. That you start striving to move from the world to the holy. I am holy because Christ is holy. I have to take the Spirit of God in my life and begin to walk according to His Word. And as I do that, God sanctifies me. He sets me apart. You are highly favored. You are loved by God. We are to be set aside as holy to avoid sexual immorality. What did it say in that scripture? To control your own body. Now, would the Lord ask us and it be a part of his will, a part of his plan for us to control our body if we couldn't? We can. That means whatever physical thing is coming over you that you are having a struggle to get free of, I want you to know you can get free of it. I'm going to keep quoting this quote that Elizabeth's uh, principal gave. There is no elevator to success, only the stairs. You've got to work at it. You've got to fight off that demon. It says to submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Does resist mean we have to do something? Yes. Resist. Do you ever have a child resist you? You ever had a dog resist you? We're not talking about baby now, and I'm not talking about Wayne either. I'm talking about Cindy calls Wayne baby and her dog baby, so I don't ever know which one she's talking about. Well, you could, I looked at you. She has a bad boy stick that she gives to baby too, and I'm like, look, that's all wrong. Which baby gets that one? <laughs> Resist. Listen, church, we can have fun in church, can't we? What's the point? If you can't get free of what's got a hold of you, what's the point? Church is not a place to come in and be entertained and not be changed. Church is a place to be changed by God, to get free of what you're facing, and to walk in victory. And we got to resist. we got to resist the bad boy stick. I guess. All right, back to getting serious again. First Peter chapter 2. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor or the supreme authority or to the governors who are sent by him to punish those for doing wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. 
What is God's will for you? To submit to authority. Submit to authority. You know, we've got the great uh, um, John Cougar Mellencamp song, I Fight Authority and Authority Always Wins. Why? Because God's on the side of authority. It's a rebellious song, but it's true. God has placed authority over you for your benefit. He has placed authority over you so that he can bless you. We need authority, and it is God's will that we come under authority. And it says by doing good, coming under authority, we step into God's will, and in turn, it will silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. How many of you have foolish people speaking ignorantly about you? God has a plan to shut them up. You can't shut them up. You've tried. All it does is make it worse. Shut them up God's way. Then he said, live as free people, free from evil, free from the world, under the authority of God. How can we live in freedom? You may say, Pastor, I, I see your words, I see what it's saying here, but how do I know like you've got in front of you, what kind of decisions have you got in front of me? In front of you, what job should I take? Should I marry this person? What kind of toothpaste should I buy? How many of you get in the store and my wife sends me to the grocery store now, and she sends me on a wild goose chase, and I'm like, which one do I buy? And she brings me the bag. You buy this wrong every single time. It's the blue bag. It is the herbs, Pepperidge Farm herbs. Stuffing, thank you, whatever. I don't get it. Here, should I take a picture of it? So I'm standing in front of it, ready to grab the wrong one again. She gave me instruction. Lord, which one do I grab? I mean, sometimes are you getting stuck? You're needing God to answer. God wants to answer those questions. Should I marry this person? Should I take this job? What should I do? Do you know that Psalm, uh, Psalm, 23, Psalm 37 verse 23 says, The steps of a righteous are ordered by the Lord, and he delights in his way. What does that mean? That if I'm stepping into God's plan, if I'm seeking after His Word, if I'm seeking Him with all my heart, when it's time for me to make that decision, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to seek God, I'm going to find God, and He's going to give me the answer to that decision. Maybe I get a lightning bolt, maybe I don't. Maybe I just make the best decision that I know to make. But it says my steps are ordered by God. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. You can't just take that scripture and just say your steps are ordered by God. Well, who says? Why, do, why would you say that? You've left out a key part, steps of a righteous man. In the righteous man's way, God delights in it. He delights in his way. God's plan. Finally. God has equipped you. He hasn't sent you out to the battlefield to do something that you haven't been equipped for. And you know what? You don't need something extra. You don't need to go to the store. You have it within you. 
the miracles that God, that Jesus performed, performed them with what they had. How many fish have you got? The woman that was about to lose her home was about to uh, be sold into slavery. What did the prophet say? What do you have? Well, I have a jar of oil. That's enough. What have you got? Let's use what you've got. What the Lord has equipped you with, the talents and the gifts that he has equipped you with, he has equipped you to face and to be victorious over whatever your challenges are. You have what you need. God has equipped you. John chapter 14, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my Father. And whatever you ask in my name, that I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. These things that Jesus did, we are to do. We are God's agent to perform his will in the earth. He has given us dominion in the earth. Do you know that his power, his power is within you? Ephesians chapter 1 says, I also pray that you understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Do you know that when you show up in God's plan and God's spirit that God shows up? Because he is in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. When you show up, Christ shows up. The same power is in you. God's power is in you. John chapter 1, John, 1 John chapter 4 says, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Greater is he that is in you. We all say that with me, and you're going to say me. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. What does that mean? We stand with him. And if God is for us, the battle's already over. I just have to walk through it. I just have to show up to the battle. How many of you know you need to show up to the battle? You need to show up. Because when you show up, God shows up. God is within you, the hope of glory, Christ in you. You've got to show up. You've got to walk according to his word, and Satan's going down. The God of peace has placed Satan under your feet. Greater is he that is in me. The victory is already ours. Church, walk it out. God is greater. God is greater. And he is in you. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, I just speak a better word over this church today than the word of the enemy. Lord, your, your word says that your blood speaks a better word. The blood of Jesus speaks a better word over this church. Greater are you, God, that's in us than anything that we could ever face.
Father, I just ask you to give us revelation, number one, to how great you are, but number two, to to grasp that you are in us and that we walk equipped with great power to overcome addiction, to overcome challenges, to overcome a broken marriage, to overcome to overcome. Your word says that we have overcome. Zach, will you sing? uh, We will overcome. What What are you facing? It is time for you to be an overcomer. What are you facing? I want you to get it in your mind right now. What are you facing? And I just want you right in your mind right now to command that to come under the authority of God. I command you, enemy, to come under the authority of God. And Father, I just ask you for the power in this church body to overcome that circumstance. That we would face it according to your word and according to your will, for you have a great plan. What are you facing?